0: Hi everyone. Well, let's uh, get into the Word of God uh, this morning. Awesome time of worship. That was fantastic seeing the girls here with Will. How beautiful. Let's hope we can do more and more of that sort of thing in the future. Alright, well let's get right into uh, this next, This I think it's part 13 or week 13 of our series on the Book of Revelation. And I don't know about you but it's been quite life changing for me to really slow down and delve into the truths that are in this book and, and I'm so thankful that we've got <laughs> we've got a teacher at the helm in Brahm who's been going now probably since I think September or October last year, almost a year just literally every day studying uh, the book of Revelation and uh, and feeding us truths, which then develop truth, uh, help us to develop truths and help our understanding grow, and to be able to uh, comprehend even more what it means for our lives. So, I'm pretty excited. He keeps asking me to do different weeks, so here I am, third week in a row that he's asked me to speak, and uh, and that's okay. It's great. It's it's a it's an awesome subject that I love. I love speaking on. Now, just as I'm saying that, I'm going to ask Chucky. You're going to need to mute the, the mics upstairs because I can hear them all down here. They're all mumbling in the background. This is the beauty of live streaming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're not going to the toilet or anything. We can't hear that, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Let's uh, pick up from where we ended last week. Um, and we're going to read from the very start of Chapter 5. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now, remember this I person who's who's writing this is John. This is the the disciple of Jesus, the apostle John, who's having this vision and he's he's there. And he began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to, to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns And with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, remember, we've talked about all of this, what the seven uh, spirits of God, what that really actually means. All right. So hopefully you've been going along with us and you're tracking with all this terminology now that actually means something quite practical and real to you and I now. All right. We don't need to explain all that again. Verse seven. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. They shall reign on the earth. Wow, what an incredible passage of Scripture. That was verses 1 through to verse 10. So, So far we're continuing to learn and uh, really let it settle into our hearts and into our understanding that the themes of this whole book of Revelation are basically, number one, the revelation of Jesus and who he is, uh, and number two, the triumph of the church. And I think at this point in history and this point in in time, it's really amazing to realise that uh, this whole book basically presents to us the triumph of the church. Now, the whole book of Revelation, and we discussed this last week, I believe I'm kind of losing track of the weeks that I've done, but um, what I spoke when, but the whole book of Revelation is basically an epistle or a letter to John, of John, sorry, to the churches in Asia. And it begins with the revelation of Jesus to John, because, you know, we've mentioned this, Jesus saw the risen Jesus. He saw the risen Christ and what that really looked like. And then, of course, we see that the messages to the people on earth or the the seven churches where Jesus revealed specific aspects of himself. And in every aspect that he revealed of himself, it was pertinent to the situation that they were in. And what was he doing? He was coaching them to be victorious in whatever they were facing there on earth. He was, he was the coach. He was the high priest, keeping them on track and helping them and revealing specific uh, aspects of who he was. And that's been covered uh, at, at length over the last couple of weeks. Now, after dealing with the churches on earth through these letters, Je- Jesus then invited John up to see what would take place immediately after. And he said, he said I want you to come up here into the heavenly realm. So he invited John into this heavenly realm, into this place. And we looked at that, what that meant. He was in the spirit. Was he physically still in Patmos? Yes, he was. (laughs) But in the spirit realm, this is where he was. He could see. And while he was up there in that place in the spirit, before he saw what was about to take place on earth, remember, this was about to be the unfolding and the unraveling of events that were about to take place on the earth. There's this period of time. There's this interlude where John is invited first to see what takes place in heaven. So he's already seen what's about to take place on earth. Um, Sorry, before he's about to see what's about to take place on earth, first of all, he's invited to see what's going to take place in heaven in the very throne room of God. So this interlude, this moment is vital because As we've seen and as we've discovered over the last few weeks, the purpose of the letters to the churches was to give them the right perspective, seeing the situation that they were in, in the light of who Jesus is. Um, However, in this interlude, uh, the seven churches via John are invited now to see the history of the world in the light of who God is from the perspective of heaven. And the scene in heaven, as it continues into chapter 5, shows that God is in control and that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the only one worthy to set the agenda. Now, this interlude, and we're going to look at this a bit today, also goes on to show a strong connection and partnership between God and his people that actually sets things in motion both on the earth and in heaven. So this partnership between God and his people to get things happening, to mobilize things, is what I kind of want to focus on here today. it's pretty profound I'm going to try not to cry Uh, (laughs) but I believe these two chapters chapters 4 and chapter 5 are the I mean this is just my personal belief right I believe that they're almost like the two main chapters or the two pivotal chapters in this of this revelation that is given to John and ultimately to the churches because obviously they are the intended recipients of the book so to me the pinnacle of the whole book of Revelation uh, and the epicenter of of all that transpires throughout Mm -hmm. right to the very end is what we are reading right now, what we read last week and what we're reading now. Um, And and so you and I have to grasp this. We have to understand what it is that God is actually showing us here. Because remember, this was an epistle. It wasn't just so that John could have a great experience in God. It was intended for the churches. It was intended on earth for the people to understand, to grasp, to grow, to learn and to do all right so if 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 that's the case for them guess what the bible tells us that we are blessed if we read if we hear if we speak aloud and if we keep the words that are in this book so this is also for you and I we need to understand what has actually been spoken about in these particular chapters and as I've been reading them I've really tried to slow it down because to me it's so rich the imagery I know can be a bit overwhelming you can sort of almost give up years ago I used to try and read Revelation I just gave up because I'm thinking you know why is, is the Lion of Judah the is this he's the the land why there's so many names so many pictures why is why is he the high priest why is he the I couldn't understand all the different terminology. And then you get into you know, the expression of the beast and the mark of the beast. And it was just so overwhelmingly confusing. But I believe God wants us to understand. And remember, that's why we are taking this slowly so we will understand. Because God wants us to grasp. And especially in these two chapters, I think... To me, it paints a picture of this amazing truth that is happening right now in heaven. This isn't just nice words. These aren't just concepts. This is reality, guys. And uh, the people of God here on earth, we need to walk in this reality. And The the real world is the spirit world. This has been created by the spirit world. And so we need to understand what's happening in that spiritual realm. All right, so, um, you know, to me, like I said, the pinnacle of um, the whole book of Revelation are these two chapters. It's kind of the epicenter, like I said, for everything that's about to transpire, and there's so much truth in this. All right, so the context is we've come out of chapter 4, and we, we learned last week that worship in heaven re- remains the same from eternity to eternity. Uh, we, we read in, in um, from verses 8, I believe it was, day and night through to 11, day and night, they never ceased to say, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come um that kind of worship is just constantly from eternity to eternity uh no beginning and no end (laughs) just as a side note no wonder you know brahman and i were talking about this the other day because he and i just we just talk this day in day out we we don't have weekends we just every day we're we're throwing ourselves into this we're living and eating living and breathing this and we talk this with each other and it's so exciting it's 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 just the best and you know what he said to me goes no wonder lucifer wanted that very thing and i thought yeah that's exactly right and uh, he wanted that sort of adulation and that adoration you know that's jealousy right there but anyway let's we'll forget that bit we'll park that over to the side but this ongoing worship it bridges the old testament to the new testament obviously because we're talking about eternity to eternity the old testament and the new testament are like this little drop in somewhere in the in in And uh, we talked about David, how he had a revelation, King David. He had a revelation of the throne room and, and that worship we talked about at length last week. And, um, and then 300 years later, Isaiah had exactly the same, uh, almost like an intervention from heaven, and God uh, implanted in his understanding and showed him and inserted himself into Isaiah's um, being and, and, and helped him to see the very throne and hear the same song, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then 800 years later, later after that, then the same thing happens with John, exactly the same words exactly the same things it's just amazing that God in these moments of needs in in his people's history and what's going on down here on the on the earth he kindly allows us to see the perspective of heaven just like he he did with John and um you know here we are 2,000 years later all of us who knows how many of us have had experiences I talked about my experience of of hearing the songs of heaven I, I gave that experience last week and I know many people including the woman who Tantapul, who used to speak to us about Jesus and how she had a visitation from Jesus and she described the same thing, it's, it's amazing so the first song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, just as it was in Isaiah, shows that from eternity to eternity, worship in heaven remains the same, now, except for two things alright, now, the first one since the cross, the nature of worship in heaven has changed. How has it changed? Well, think about this. Number one, there's a lamb right in the midst of the throne room. Right at the center of the eternal Godhead is a lamb. Verse 6 says this, In the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Yes. Now, this, this is the very first time in chapter 5 that the word lamb has been used in Revelation. It goes on. Uh, there's some 28 times that it goes on to be used, but this is the first time it's actually mentioned. You know, here he is in the midst of, of, of the very throne room activity. Isn't it amazing when you, when you think about when we pray, he's also in the midst of us, where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there in the midst of them. Like there's a lamb right now in the midst of heaven. Number two, in chapter four, it is the Father who is worshipped, but in chapter five, now it is the Lamb who is worshipped. So, this is the thing that has shifted in this eternal worship. Verse eight of chapter five says, The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Remember, before they fell down before the Father, now they're falling down before the Lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Kind of puts to rest any idea that Jesus is not God. Only God could be worshipped like that in the very midst of the throne room. Wow. What else is new? What else is different about, about the worship, the scene or the nature of worship? Well, there's a new song. And that song is about the lamb that was slain. Verse 9, and they, who's they, the the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they sang a new song. So it's shifted now. There's a different theme. It's a new song now. It's a new theme. A new focus that they have that they're singing now. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. Right there, they are acknowledging the authority of the Lamb. Well you are worthy to take the scroll. You are the one who is worthy to open its seals. You are the one who has authority. Why? Because you by your blood you did this. This is this is your 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 suffering has purchased purchased us this victory. You purchased your people this victory. By your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe, every language, people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom, a priest to our God. Wow. And they shall reign on the earth. You know what, guys? These are the kind of songs that that we need to be writing. Songs that exalt who the Lamb of God is, who Jesus really is, what he's actually done. You know, before this song uh, was sung, two significant things occurred that kind of need our attention, right? right. Remember we read how John wept before the throne because no one was worthy to open the seals of the scroll. And then he heard one of the elders say to him, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So this particular elder pointed John to Jesus and said, No, 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 don't weep, don't cry, Don't, don't be devastated, look he's the answer. He's the one who's going to do it. But listen to this, what John heard from that elder about the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, remember King David, he came out of the lineage of David. What John heard to what he saw are two different things. And this is actually a repeated pattern throughout the book of Revelation. Brahm's going to explain a lot more of that as to why in the next few sermons. But What he heard before the throne was the elder referring to Jesus as the Lion of Judah, but when he turned, what he saw was a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Now, I I just love reading what different commentaries say, and there's one guy, one scholar who I love reading, and this is what he says about this verse. Listen to this. John now looks to the centre of the celestial scene, or this heavenly scene, and beholds not a lion, but a lamb, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, bearing the wounds of sacrificial slaughter, yet standing in readiness for action. And listen to this. In one brilliant stroke, John portrays the central theme of New Testament revelation. See, this is why I reckon the, these two chapters are so profound. This is the, the, the epitome, the, the pinnacle Of our understanding. In one brilliant stroke, John portrays the central theme of New Testament revelation victory through sacrifice. Listen to this. The lion, he goes on to say, the lion is the lamb. The ultimate power of God in the lion is manifest on the cross as the lamb. Isn't that amazing? I love that. So, Let's think about this. John sees now the ultimate revelation. Like, oh, my gosh. This has been decades, right, since he's walked with Christ. This is getting towards the end of his life. Is that right, Bram? Just check with my my walking Bible encyclopedia over here. And so he's seeing this ultimate revelation and it's so powerful not only for him but remember this is all now being spoken about and being given to the to the people on earth because to to the churches and to us up until now all of those guys are still coming out of an old testament mindset think about the line of judah all they've ever heard about is the line of judah um you know the, the this mindset of who this uh this messiah is going to be and now the reality is literally being shown it's being set before them. See this is why it's so powerful for the Holy Spirit is now on earth teaching us, leading us and showing us. Jesus wasn't there physically to show John but the Holy Spirit took him up and brought him into that heavenly realm to show him and to lead him and to teach him. See this is why we trust so much in the power of the Holy Spirit to build the church this is the era of the Holy Spirit right now. These 2,000 years since, Mm -hmm. since Jesus went to the cross this is where Jesus is right now. He's in heaven with the Father but the Holy Spirit will lead us, He will teach us. And this is a classic example of the Holy Spirit teaching this young, budding church. This new group of people, they've got nothing in front of them or nothing behind them to tell them what is real what is real and what is not. They're literally being led and being taught by. The Holy Spirit, who is represented in those seven aspects of the Spirit of God. Wisdom, counsel, knowledge, understanding, might, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. All those different aspects are there ready to teach this new church, this new uh, ecclesia, this, this third group of people, this new breed of people. It's no longer Jew, it's no longer Gentile, it's now the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is leading this new church and teaching them. So you imagine, they've got this Old uh, Testament kind of mindset. They're they're used to hearing about the Lion of Judah. But now he's John, right before him, is saying, oh, it's no longer a lion, it's now a lamb. Mm. He can hear the new song now being sung by these guys. Think about it. This new song about the lamb and he's teaching this new church on earth. No wonder Jesus said, come up here. I want to show you something. I want to show you who the Lion of Judah is now. He is the lamb. Wow. The central theme of New Testament revelation. The lion is the lamb. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Victory through sacrifice, that's our Jesus, victorious through the suffering. So all these Old Testament prophetic types, these names, Mm. this imagery that are declaring the Saviour and the Messiah who was to come, the Lion of Judah has now transitioned to become the Lamb of God. And this truth is core and central to our New Testament Reality, And that's why the song content has changed. Wow, that's why there's this new song. So, guys, there is significance in the songs of the believers. It is this new reality about the Lamb of God that births the new song. Just think, it's never been sung before in heaven, only after the cross. Only after the cross. Because why? It's a song of redemption. And it's about the Lamb that was slain, the Lamb who is worthy i just like to think about it from from John's perspective. Imagine seeing the lamb for who he really is for the very first time. Think about it. Imagine singing about the lamb for who he really is for the very first time. You know, John's grown up hearing the stories about the sacrificial lamb, time of Passover, and understanding the concept and the principle, and, and, and conceptually getting it, but now to actually see him in heaven? Oh, my gosh. And I love how God uses visuals, this visual language, to help us understand heaven's realities. So to me, this is a pivotal moment in heaven in the context of eternity. And I believe it's a pivotal moment for John, a human being, seeing Jesus as he is. Remember the first time he saw him as the high priest? That would have been mind-blowing as well. Wow, to recognize him knowing it cerebrally to actually seeing it. Wow. And now he's seeing him as the Lamb of God. And think about this. The four living creatures and the 24 elders are leading heaven in the worship of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? When we worship God, we're joining in with that song. That's who we sing about. So no wonder Revelation 5 ends like this. With all, I'm about to read from verse 11, with all of heaven and every creature on earth worshipping Jesus. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing wow and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea this is John telling this story and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne who is the father and to the lamb who is the son be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. No wonder that's how Revelations 5 ends. So worship was and always will be there from eternity to eternity. But now, since the cross, something has changed. The fourfold praise and worship of blessing, honour, glory and power is ascribed equally to God and to the Lamb. Why? Because they are co-equal in attributes, power and glory. All right? Powerful for us to understand that with our worship. All right, so what's the second thing that has changed in the atmosphere of worship in heaven from eternity past? Well, since the creation of mankind, prayer is something new in heaven. Hmm. All right. What do you mean by that, Diane? All right. Well, the prayers of God's people have been inserted into heaven. This is a very, very powerful point, and this is the thing I want to really hone in on today. You know, we, we read earlier in the, in the initial passage how there are golden bowls of incense and it's told to us and explained to us, these are the prayers of the people. This is the incense and the prayers of the people. Isn't it interesting how incense is used now as uh, in different religions to to promote uh, an aspect of prayer and, and, and oneness with, with with the God that they're worshipping? But we know that incense is actually the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the people of God. And this had existed only since the creation of mankind. Why? Because it's the prayers of believers. And this is actually first mentioned way back with Abel, who was considered a righteous man. So he was a believer because of his offering. Remember the story of of Abel right back in the beginning of the Bible? And the Bible tells us that his blood cried out before the Lord, and it did so as a prayer before God. So there is significance in the prayers of the believers and so significant are these prayers of the believers that not only are they part of the makeup of the atmosphere in the throne room of God but the prayers of the believers are also actually what activate God's responses it actually moves mm-hmm. heaven so you know so let's picture this there's music there's a harp playing it, each elder and i think even the, the creatures they all had in their hands a golden bowl of incense and which is the prayers of the saints so the prayers of god's people had been inserted now since the beginning of human beings and that's not an eternal thing human beings did have a beginning they were created by god right that's our prayers have been inserted into heaven into that concept and the context of eternity. This is this is incredible, and we can see that not only do they make up part of that throne room experience. So you've got the new song of the worship of the Lamb, but you've also got our prayers that are right dead center in there, in the midst of that of that. Uh, that worship experience in that throne room experience and they're so precious just think about it even the fact that they're in golden bowls signifies and indicates the value that is put on our prayers and you know what we don't have to go far uh, to see how our prayers can actually activate heaven and um you know you just have to think back to the book of Daniel and read about his experiences and he actually had two angels visit him in response to his prayers in chapter nine he was he was praying he was fasting he was interceding and it says in in chapter 9 uh, verse 21 that an angel came to me in swift flight bang straight away there was an angel there responding to his prayer and it says in verse 23 at the beginning this is the angel speaking to daniel at the beginning of your pleas for mercy a word went out Woo! heaven was onto it heaven said okay guys Daniel's praying, come on, let's listen right now. There's a believer down on earth. We're listening to, to his prayer. There's a, there's a righteous man, and he's praying on behalf of the people of God. Heaven was moved, heaven was was, was catapulted into some sort of response. And so he goes on, he says, so he says, at the beginning of your pleas, at the beginning, not at the end, at the beginning of your pleas. Hmm. <laughs> a word goes out, right? And I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Mm. Oh, man, this just moves me so much. And then in the very next chapter, there's Daniel again, this beautiful man. He's fasting for 21 days and he's repenting once again on behalf of Israel. And he's seeking God. He's repenting for himself. He's repenting for Israel. And, you know, it kind of sounds familiar to, to us as many leaders in the body of Christ. We're, we're asking God, we're repenting for ourselves. We're repenting on behalf of, of the people of God. And we're praying and we're, we're crying out to God constantly. It feels like it's never ending. And guess what happens? Another angel visits Daniel and it goes on to say verse 10 suddenly a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands and he said to me oh Daniel man greatly beloved Oh, this is the second time he's told him how loved he is See, this isn't some horrible kind of mechanical transaction between heaven and earth. This is is between a heavenly father who loves his children here on earth. We are greatly loved, guys. Daniel was greatly loved. Fancy the angel bothering to tell him that in the midst of all that's going on around him, he's there crying out on behalf of Israel saying, I need help, I need help. And and the angels come with help and angels, uh, heaven's been mobilized and and they've been set into action because of this prayer from this, this man down there on earth. Now they're coming down and both times the angel takes a moment to say, you are greatly loved. Oh, man, greatly beloved. I find this so moving. You know, I, it immediately makes me think of all my prayers. Not only does he hear me, but he loves me so much, even as I'm praying them. You know, I instantly think that to all the times. I, it's funny, when I read things like this, I, I remember specific moments in my life over the last 41, 42 years that I've been walking with God. I remember, and I've told some of you this story before, but you know, when we had our children, we were brand new believers, we knew nothing, we we just loved God with all our hearts, and I remember as the kids would be asleep in their bunk beds, in their bedrooms, and they'd be squished up in this tiny little room, because we didn't have many, we only had a two bedroom house for three or four kids at that stage, but it didn't matter, I'd go in and I'd get on my knees, and I remember bawling my eyes out and saying, God, We don't know what we're doing. We know we're going to make mistakes with our kids. But, Lord, you've got to promise me you will take care and look after my children. Father, make up for every mistake that we make. And you know what? That prayer is so precious before God. It's being held in a golden bowl of incense. It's there in heaven. And we're going to find out later it's actually being held as a memorial before God. It's there as a record before God. It's never going to leave the presence of God. There are so many prayers over the decades, over the years, where I've cried out on behalf of Bram for his health, where I've cried out on behalf of our church and and asked God to move and ask God to do things for the young generation. There are so many things. And every single time I know that heaven is holding my prayers. But not only that, that he loves me so much. I know that I'm loved. So let's go go back to this, verse 11. Daniel 10, verse verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling, because this guy's been down, you know, pretty much on all fours, just praying and and fasting and, and seeking God. And then verse 12, he says, then, uh, Daniel's relating the story, and he says, Then he said to me, the angel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand. Oof, Jesus. Even, even just us turning to God. Yes, yes. You know, it, You know what that instantly reminds me of? Sorry, I keep going off, triggering off into other thoughts, but you know, it's only faith that pleases God. Yes. Anything without faith, the Bible says, is a sin. Even just us turning, not not just having repetitive, frustrated prayers. We're allowed to be frustrated, but as long as our heart is seeking to understand. From the first day that you set your heart to understand. In other words, you looked to me, you you honoured me. This is basically how, how it comes across to me. And to humble yourself before God. You see, when we when we pray, there has to be a stance of humility. We can be frustrated. We can have our anger, whatever. You can have all of that stuff, you know. But as long as we're seeking to understand and as long as we join in with the atmosphere of heaven that casts our crowns before God, that says, God, I surrender everything of myself, Lord, because I want to humble myself before you. I don't understand. I need to understand God, you are the authority. You are the final authority of my life. You are the Lord of my circumstances. See, this is about a reality of lordship of God in our lives. That's what prayer, At the very core of prayer, when if we want to to come before heaven and, and have heaven here and have heaven, this is the heart and the attitude that we need to bring from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. Guys, let's humble ourselves so that as we pray, even in our confusion, it comes before God. He goes on to say, your words were heard. They were already heard. And I have come because of your words. And it's it's amazing. It just activates and mobilizes heaven. And then in verse 13 it goes, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So it took 21 days of the prayer and fasting before he had the, the angel come and speak to him and, and bring the answer. But from the very first moment that he spoke, his words were heard and God was mobilizing. So the prayers were still answered, they were just delayed. Wow. You see, nothing can stop our prayers from being heard in heaven, not even demons, powers, or principalities, as we see here. And in, in Revelation, We also see this principle and it's clear when we read about the opening of some of the seals in the fifth and the seventh seals, for example. In in fact, just to give you a bit of a taste, even in in Revelation 6 at the opening of the fifth seal, it shows that even death can't hinder our prayers. Let me just read this briefly to give you a bit of an example. Uh When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you would judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe, and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Well, we're not going to unpack that at the moment, but what we can understand from this, this shows that nothing, not even death, can stop our prayers from being heard by God. Remember, these people are already dead. They've been martyred. This is their blood crying out, just like with Abel. So at the same time, in verses 10 and 11, it's marked by the question, how long, and then the response, until. And that gives the balance of the significance of our prayers and the reality of God's timetable. You see, this is what we have to understand, that the timing belongs to God. The timing belongs to God. And then, of course, in the opening of the seventh seal, Um, which is the beginning of the release of the seven trumpets, which is the judgment of God. And this is in chapter 8. Once again, just a little bit of a teaser for the weeks that are to come. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Well, here we are. We're inserted into this reality right here. On the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Wow. So can you see how our prayers are in there? They're inserted into heaven. The prayers of all the saints, all the saints from the beginning of humanity to right now, anyone who has called upon the name of the Lord, we are the saints of God. And our prayers are there. Now remember, it's about the timetable of God. It is about the timing of God. But every single one of our prayers are being held in the golden bowls of incense. That's how precious they are, how valuable they are. and you know what? This is uh, nothing new. It's happened before. All of this, you know, the golden sensor containing the, the prayers of the saints. Actually, when you think about it, because there was a, an earthquake, remember, we just read about it then, should remind us of the power of the early church's prayers. Decades before uh, John is actually writing this. Think about it. In Acts chapter 4.31, While they're facing persecution, it says, And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, what's happening? Their prayers are being heard, activating heaven, mobilizing heaven. What does it say? The place in which they were gathered together was shaken it was shaken by the power of God and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness and then we read also in the early church in, in Acts 16, 25 during imprisonment, about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, so they're doing they're, they're right there in the throne room with God, like they're, they're, they're in the worship, they're singing to Jesus to, to, to the Lamb of God and to the, to the Father who sits on the throne and they're praying, they're, they're filling up the golden bowl of incense and it says the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly what happens there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And it goes on to say how the jailer was so terrified he thought he was going to get into trouble, but he ends up getting saved and then they all get baptized. It's just the most amazing, amazing experience to realize that God responded to the prayers of Paul and Silas as they're worshipping the Lamb of God, worshipping him who sits upon the throne Blessing, glory, honor, and power all belongs to you. And they're praying and they're interceding. So they're joining with heaven in the worship of in the throne room, but they're also praying on behalf of earth here. And this is what our prayers do. Our prayers truly link heaven with earth. And they link the the mobilization and the activation of the angelic forces and and God himself to to act on earth's behalf. This is, I know it sounds so spiritual and everything, but this is the reality of the kingdom of heaven. This is the reality. (laughs) When we worship God, when we pray, things happen, things shift, things move because we believe and we stand in that place of worship and prayer. These are New Testament realities here on earth that you and I can experience, we will experience, we have experienced, we've experienced many. Brahman and I have got so many stories. Our church has already got so many stories. And these these truths that we read in scriptures, these are glimpses of what we can believe for, where to stake our faith and what to put our faith stake down into. So every time we worship Jesus, we join in with the same song that is glorifying the Lamb in heaven. But every time we pray, we partner with God in that prayer to change things here on earth. Wow. Think about it, guys. I I want you to think back to every prayer you've prayed. When you've cried out to God and you've waited, God, when's it going to happen? Well, there's a timing of God. Has he heard? Yes, he's heard. If you and I have set our hearts to understand and if we have humbled ourselves before our God, heaven knows us. He loves us. He desires to move on our hearts and to move on our lives. You see, all of these examples that we've just talked about show that nothing, not persecution, imprisonment or even death, can stop our prayers from being heard by God. No wonder, you know, and I quoted this scripture before in Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. Jesus is saying this. I am there in the midst of them. He's in the midst of the throne room. He's in the midst of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Our prayers... Are forever before God in His throne room, and let me finish with the scripture, and, and, and the worship team can get ready. You guys can just take over from here. But Acts chapter ten verse four says this, and He said to him, "Your prayers and your arms, your requests, and what you've given to me have ascended as a memorial before God." And that word "memorial" means a record a remembrance something that is preserved in heaven. Awesome. This is how precious the requests of our hearts are, guys. Our prayers matter. All right? Let's let's just pray now as the as the worship team begins. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're doing a new thing in all of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we we're learning how powerful Your presence is in our lives and how close we are actually. We're we're one step away from the throne room of God. Because even as we pray, pray, Lord, our prayers literally are going there right now. Our prayers enter. That's why you say, Lord, we can come boldly before the throne of God, the throne of grace. And, Father, we do that right now. We come boldly before your throne. And, Lord, as we pray, we, we, we know that our prayers are being gathered, that they matter, that they are precious, Lord, before you. Father, whatever prayer is being brought before you, Father, uh, by people listening to this now or even just your people as they pray throughout the earth, Lord, throughout the world, you hear every prayer. And, Father, we stand uh, with those people in prayer, Lord, and we ask you to move on their behalf. Come and demonstrate who you are. Show yourself to be strong, Father, on their behalf. Lord, we seek to understand as we pray, and Father, we make a choice to humble ourselves before you. Every need that we have, Lord, we do it consciously, understanding that you are our king, you are our Lord. All glory, honor, power, and and, and might goes to you, Father. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, and you hold everything in your hands. Father, we surrender to you now, Lord. And we worship you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Go for it, worship team.